Welcome. You are listening to SIB Life Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you would like to know about SIB Life, including our online service time, you can join us online at siblife.my. So now I'm continue with part two, and I'm going to share something from the Word of God that I believe will encourage you, will challenge you, and some might offended, get offended. And uh, I believe that today's message also will, for some people, it will make you rethink your life as a Christian. Because this letter, Paul wrote to the Ephesians, they are believers, okay, they are Christians, you know. So Paul wrote this like a reminder. So this letter segment, hey, you don't forget your past, don't forget where you come from, and then Paul is reminding them, all right. So let's uh, once again turn to our uh, open our Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 to 13. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 to 13. All right, let me read. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave for me, for you. The mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have briefly written above. By reading this, you are able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This was made known to people in our other generation as it is now. Uh, this was not made known to people in other generation as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Verse six: The Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and partners in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of His power. This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Are you following me? Verse 11. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose, accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So then I ask you not to be discouraged over my afflictions on your behalf, for they are your glory. Come on, let's pray. Father God, we commit this time into your hands. Your word is truth. Your word rebuked us, Lord. May your word, Lord Father God, heal us. Renew our mind, Lord Father, today, this morning. So we commit this time to your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In 2002 or 2003, I made a, dec- made a decision to study music. So um, one of my friends, okay, he completed his law degree. He's better than me. He completed his law degree, got his cert, and continued with music after that. And when I asked him, like, why you want to do music? You have your law degree. Become a lawyer. I practice law. I said, like, no, 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 no. That's my parents' request. So I gave my degree set to my parents. That's yours. Keep it. Let me do music. So he did music. And now he became one of the composers in RTM. Okay? He's one of the musicians, also composer in RTM. So the reason why he did music, because he, wants, he really wants to, you know, uh, be a musician, be a composer. Yeah, so studying law is just to satisfy his uh, parents' uh, request, right? Now, I have another friend of mine. He came from uh, a rich family, well-to-do family. So 
I asked him, why you want to become a musician? Like, you know, you know, bro, I love to play music, you know. And yes, he got a lot of guitars, and he is one uh, belong to one of the one of the popular band in Malaysia right now. So I said, like, oh, because you love music, you enjoy. He loved to perform. So I said, okay, okay. So uh, as for myself, yeah, I study music and want to do music full time. Okay, before I become a pastor. Because I really believe that I have a mission, that I know that God called me for this. You know, when I told my parents I want to do music, they were like, huh. they thought like I just want to play drums in church. <laughs> for me, but, but I, I, because I'm still young at that time, and, and I, I, I don't have a mentor, I don't have like someone who I can look, look up to and ask for advice, want to do music. Because at that time in East Malaysia, especially, you know, you know music is not a career. So like, who to ask lah. So, you know, as a typical 17 years old, finish SPM, if you can't make a decision, your parents will make a decision for you. Even if you have a decision, your parents will still make a decision for you. Now, some of the students were laughing, like, yeah, pastor, this is what I'm doing now, <laughs> right? You know? Um, but still, continue to honor your, your parents, yeah? So, um, in the early 2000s, I, 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 I studied, I realized that I am only the, I am only the, 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 the only East Malaysian who, uh, you know, like that I know who are doing music because my friends, you know, they, they don't do music. So I was like, wow, who can I look to? I mean, I asked in foes. And when I came to KL in 99, and then uh, I, I got to know this one Sabahan guy uh, who's one of the musicians in, in one of the SIB churches in Klang Valley at that time. Okay, this quite really long, many, many years ago. Some of you have not been born. Okay. Well, and, and his name is Andrew Peninting. Okay, maybe some of you are like, Andrew Peninting? Uh, never mind. But that time, you know, uh, he is like, uh, like my idol. Because I know he's from uh, this uh, SIB church in Taginambur, Sabah. And then now he appears in Astro and RTM, playing, playing saxophone. I was like, Sema macam dia. Sema macam dia. You know, like uh, he was doing his degree. And, but, you know, he's the only SIB Musician, the Mui Putra SIB musician that I know at that time who do music professionally, right? Yeah, but too bad I don't have the chance to be mentored by him, you know, because saya kan, you know, like this small, and he was like there, you know. So, but anyway, by God's grace, he, after many years, he found out about me. I remember like in 2000, I don't know, 15, 2000 something, 2010, sorry. He met me and then he hugged me and said, like, I heard a lot about you. Keep on doing what you, you're doing. I was like, oh, 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 okay. Wow. You know? So at that time, uh, again, back to like 2000 when I heard about him, I said, like, wow, there's only one. Uh, one SIB, you know, uh, Putra musicians who become professional. Uh. So I said, like, hey, hey, you know. I have, like, like I said, my, like, like, like I told you guys, I have, I believe that I have this calling. So, um, I'm determined to change that time. I'm determined to change the mindset of East Malaysian people. I'm talking about East Malaysian, huh? orang Sabah Sarawak, yeah? you know, especially Christians regarding, you know, Christian working as a full-time musicians. You know, we have always we, we always have this bad impression, you know, for musicians, right? People, they, oh, nilani, you know, they will play in the clubs, they will drink lah, they will have all all kind of like, uh, you know, uh, sexual immorality lah, all kind of social issues like. You know, so I have that conviction that, hey, you know, like God gave me an assignment. Wagner, you're going to change that. I was like, whoa, you know. So um, 
that's why I started, you know, to really enroll myself in uh, music school, do it professionally, study it, you know, and do workshops everywhere uh, as much as I can, you know. And, and so, back to the story of me and my friends. So, three of us, me and my friends, we studied music together. We performed together in, some of the, so in, in a few, few occasions. We work as a musician, but what sets us apart is the reason behind why we do what we do, is the reason behind why we become a musician, right? So you, you, you can see us that perform, you know, in the clubs, outdoor, you know, in front of the king. Yes, I perform once, oh, by God's grace, in front of the king, you know. You're like, oh, the same. But what differentiates us is our motivation, the reason why we do what we do, yeah? You know, let me tell you, Knowing why you do what you do in life will not only remind you of your mission, but it is also will be a boost for you whenever you uh, uh, feel uh, discouraged or you want to give up. So you got to remember why you do what you do. As a parent, I know some parents can relate to this. Sometimes you got too tired, you know, like after work, and then you return home, and then you see the messy house, you know, like, like ah, you know. But you say, like, okay, you know, uh, my kids is growing, so sooner or later they will no longer want to hang out with me, so just embrace the moment, you know, enjoy, you know, while they are still around, you know. So, like, let's continue to kumas the house. After a few minutes, semak lagi, like, ah, you know. So, but, yeah, you remind yourself, like, oh, wait, 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 why am I doing this again, you know? Uh, yesterday, or yesterday is it? Yeah, no, two, two, two days ago, I, I told my, my two boys, I said like, why do I have to do this again? Because I have to pack their stuff because they're going to their auntie's house and then prepare them breakfast. Say, tell me, why do I have to do this again? And my son said, because you're our daddy. Like, oh, right, good. And actually, I know, I just simply, you know, want to talk to them. You know, my point is this. Um, by knowing the reason we started something, we get into something, we're doing something, you know, it will be uh, that, that push that we need whenever we, again, like I said, when we feel discouraged or we want to give up. Paul was one of the spiritual heroes in the Bible, and the passage that we uh, read just now, you know, has given us some understanding um, of the reason or the why behind his ministry. You know, and as, as a believer, it is important for us to know, to be clear, to understand why we do what we do as believers. We are not just like, oh, why, why are you become, becoming, becoming a Christian? I don't know. My parents are Christian. I was born in a Christian family, so that's why I'm Christian. Why did you come to church? I don't know, since young. My parents forced me to come to church, so that's why. Now it's become a routine. Is that a strong reason? You know? Why do some Christians did not grow in their faith despite being known as a Christian for many years? They always seem to struggle with the same issues over and over again. I'm not saying that you know, as a Christian, we, don't, we won't experience any struggles, ataupun cabaran, and so forth. No, we will. But actually, they will, they definitely we will go through breakthrough and breakthrough. Amen? Yeah? But some Christians, you know, the same thing over and over again. Since college times, uni times, now working. So like, hey, same thing over and over again. Why? Why does some believers left their faith, you know, abandon, uh, abandoning the church, abandoning Jesus, despite everything that he has done in their life? Why? Why does some 
believers can get discouraged easily and throw spiritual tantrum. You know, I, thought, I call it spiritual tantrum when they didn't get what they want. <laughs> so based on, today, but based on today's reading, I'm going to give answers, three answers to these questions. Why we do what we do as believers. Three, based on this passage, three answers. Why we do what we do as believers. Yeah? Number one will shock you, maybe some of you, I think all of us. Why? Number one, because we are prisoners of Christ. You know? Chapter three begins uh, by speaking of the mystery of Christ revealed to Apostle Paul, right? Uh, last two weeks I preached about this. You know, now some little background story for those of you who just joined us, you know. Uh, Paul was arrested by Jews. Apostle Paul was arrested by Jews in Jerusalem who thought, you know, they thought that he had taken um, a Gentile into an inappropriate area in the temple. Okay, you can read this in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 21 and 22, right? So in um, verse 1, Paul said, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Christ Jesus on behalf, behalf of you Gentiles. Now, why did Paul call himself a prisoner of Christ Jesus? You see, Paul begins this passage by reminding his readers, reminding us of his status as an imprisoned man. Now, he was under uh, house arrest in Rome, at this time, and in addition, it was on behalf of his ministry to the Gentiles that he had been arrested in the first place. So he, he knew the purpose of his imprisonment. Now, from that moment onward, Paul would spend a total of four to five years in custody between jail and transit to house arrest in Rome. So from jail, house arrest, okay, yeah. Um, uh, it was also uh, written whereby Paul was uh, chained to a Roman soldier. Being jailed is one thing. Being chained to a Roman soldier, can you imagine being chained? I don't know, maybe the hands or the, 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 the legs. Mau pergi tandas pun, toilet. You bring in a Roman soldier. Can you imagine life like that? Yeah. Yeah. So his life, Paul's life, was marked by suffering and persecution, making him a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Yet, even while being chained, Paul used his time to communicate the gospel and write letters to churches. Yeah. So besides Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, uh, Paul introduced himself as prisoner of Christ in other parts of, of his epistles. You know, in Ephesians alone, uh, we can see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 and verse 8, Paul introduced himself as prisoner of Christ. In uh, Philemon chapter 1, Verse 1 and verse 9, he introduced himself again as prisoner of Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, he introduced himself to, his reader, to, to Timothy as prisoner of Christ. So the terms prisoner, slave, and servants are being used frequently in Paul's letter. All right? We don't have time to really dig into it. But let me tell you the word prisoner, slave, servant, being used by Paul many times in his uh, uh, letters. Now, those, three, uh, the, those terms have three things in common. Okay? Number one, as, as prisoner, as slave, or as servants, our actions 
the way we live our life are subject to the authority of our master. Secondly, as prisoner, as slave, or as servant, we are not in control of our life. We receive orders. Okay, do this, do this. Stay here. Don't go out. Everything. We receive orders from our master. The third one, we are to serve only one master. Now, for some of us, if I said, when, 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 when I introduced the first point, why we do what we do as believers, the first point, because we are prisoner of Christ. The word prisoner, like, Pastor Nola, Pastor, you know. It, is, it's a bit, it, it can be a turn off, you know. The idea of being a prisoner for Christ. Like, I mean, like, I love Christ, I love Jesus, but the word prisoner, like, hmm. You probably think that being a Christian is all about, you know, bed of roses, you know, and rainbows, yeah. Probably you have heard pastors and YouTube preachers preach about freedom in Christ, you know, but today you're going from this, we're going to hear from this sermon that we are prisoner of Christ. Like, huh? Freedom in Christ and prisoner of Christ. Like, how la pastor? So follow me, I'm going to explain. Yeah? Now remember again, last two weeks when I preach, when I talk about our new ethnicity in, 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 in Christ, it talks about the mystery of God being revealed to Paul. Now, God allowed him to be taken a prisoner in Rome. You know, in, in the royal palace. So some of the royals, okay, we can read in Philemon chapter 1 verse 13, whereby through his imprisonment, he got the opportunity to preach, to reach out to the royals. Yeah? And they got saved. And also because of that, their influence could go out over uh, Romans and all the cities in Rome because of their salvation. You see, it, it can only happen because Paul was in prison. But if he's not in prison, he don't have the chance to really, to really preach out, to really share the gospel to the royals. Are you guys following me? Yeah? So, so consider the metaphor that he's using, being in prison. All right? From the world's standpoint, the picture of like, Paul in prison, yeah? okay, so this is uh, some example, this house arrest whereby he got you know, chained to a Roman soldier. The picture of Paul being in prison shows that he is now completely under the authority of the Roman uh, penal system. You know, the outside world, the Jews, has no authority over him. The picture of Paul in prison shows that he cannot step outside of the boundaries set by his captors. It also tells that he is totally dependent upon the prison for all his needs. You know, he wants to eat and everything. Depends on the prison. And the picture of him being in prison shows that the prison closely observes everything that he does. You, you know, uh, if, as, as an, uh, prisoners and inmates, right, all your movement you know, are being watched by, 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 uh, by the gods. Now, so imagine that. Likewise, Paul said, like, and then Paul told us this morning that see yourself as a prisoner of Christ. You know, he, he, he told us that, yes, I am in prison on Christ's behalf, but he wants us to take a closer look into that metaphor, you know. 
Being prisoner of Christ, follow me, uh, being prisoner of Christ means what? We are completely under the authority of Jesus Christ. The world has no longer uh, have authority over our life. Amen? Amen. Secondly, being a prisoner of Christ, we cannot step outside of the boundaries of our faith. We cannot do things outside of the word of God. There's a boundaries. The word of God is the boundaries. Being prisoner of Christ means we are totally dependent upon the Lord for all our needs. Yeah. And also being prisoner of Christ means when we disobey God, God will discipline us. God will discipline us. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus made a statement that was offensive for the people at that time. He said this, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take their cross and follow me. You know, you know let me tell you, when we hear this, like, like, oh, okay, deny. But people at that time, this statement of Jesus is really offensive because you know what? This is a type of punishment for a prisoner. And like, Jesus, we want to follow you. We want to have eternal life. And you ask us to become like a prisoner? What is this? It is offensive. Yeah? Because as a prisoner, you are basically being denied of your rights. Kita harus menyangkal diri kita. I mean, like, we have no rights. You guys following me? So Paul explains that being a prisoner of Christ goes beyond just um, physical imprisonment. He mentioned in his letter in Corinthians, okay, in uh, Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 5. He said this, they need to take captive every thought. We have to take captive every thought to make our thought obedient to Christ. So that means when we say about like we are prisoner of Christ, not only physically that we cannot do certain certain things, we have to follow God's word, you know, our conduct are being, uh, we follow God's word, but our thoughts as well, got to, we need to be obedient to the word of God. I guess following me, you know, some people can do all the Christian religious thing, but their heart and their mind is away from God, like far from God. But Paul said, no, being prisoner of Christ means your body and your mind, your spirit and soul also submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. You know, today we, not, we may not be in uh, prison, okay? But someone is in prison, you know? Can you imagine that? People ask, like, apa dia makan, Macam mana katil dia? You know, like, but anyway. So today we may not be in prison outwardly, but we need to be in prison in Christ and take Christ as our prison. Now, some of you are like, huh? Jesus jadi penjara. Christ is my prison. Again, if you understand, like the, 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 what I explained just now. Because the more we love the Lord, the more He becomes our prison. The more we love the Lord, the more we want to be in Him. In, he becomes our dwelling place. Are you guys following me? Right? How many of you wants to be prisoner for Christ? Just raise your hand. And some of you are like, hmm. I, mean, I love Christ, but the word prisoner of Christ, hmm. Yeah? Romans chapter 7, verse 21 to 25. You know, um, Paul said, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. So, Paul is like us. We want to do the right things. Our, our hearts want to do the right things, but our flesh 
buat benda yang salah pula like huh? you know Paul said I love God's law with all my heart but there is another power within me with our flesh that is at war with my mind the power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me oh what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord so you see how it is in my mind i really want to obey god's law but because of my sinful nature i am slave to sin that's why it's important not only for us you know physically you know to be imprisoned in christ but our mind as well yeah paul realized that if it is not because of god he would not do what he didn't want to do if you honest ourselves church if you honest ourselves all of us are struggling the same thing with the same thing you know we pray okay father god i want to repent i will not do this again lord i know it is obey you lord but okay okay and then few few moments later the things that you try to avoid itu pula yang kamu buat tertidak paul is going through that so paul realized that wow i need to be imprisoned by god i need to be imprisoned by jesus Sometimes you are in a situation where we do things that we try to avoid like I mentioned just now we know that God hates it hates it but we do it anyway. Now, how many of you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no need to raise your hands, you know like we all, we all know that. Yeah. Therefore we need to be a prisoner of Christ. Prisoner of Christ. Let that sink in. Prisoner of Christ. Now, um, I know some of you are still wrestling with the ideas of us being prisoner of Christ. Let me illustrate this. Okay, can, can I have the chairs? Uh, because I, I, I tried to, uh, to rent a real prison to bring it here. I mean, a real, real, real prison here. Yeah, here. Okay. Never mind, never mind. It's okay, so just keep it here. Okay, so the best that I can uh, prepare is the chairs. Anggaplah ini kerusi, the chairs is like a prison cell. Like okay, right? So Jesus Christ is our is our prison. Now, as someone who are being in prison, our movement are restricted. We cannot do whatever we want to do. We cannot go out. So when Paul said, "I am prisoner of Christ," he knows that his mind, body, spirit, and soul must be confined. You know, mesti berada di dalam penjara ini. Because if not, he will do things that will not only hurt himself, but he will hurt others. So imagine this, you know. If we are not uh, putting ourselves in the prison of Christ, we will be out of it. And then what we do? We start to live according to our own flesh. But if we put ourselves in prison of Christ... It's like you're going to penjara, kan? Kopi penjara, and then you come, you know, like, hey, kasih penjara saya lah, you know, just prison me lah. Like you volunteer, because you know that if you are not in the prison, we will do bad things. So what is this prison represent what? Jesus, the principles, the biblical principles, why you do what you do, you know, according to the word of God. I say like, I want to steal lah, but hey, you know, like, I, I cannot steal because the word of God says, you know, don't steal. In fact, bless other people, you know. Yeah. I want to lie lah. I mean like seriously that, that person gossip about me. I want to lie but oh no no no. The Bible says, you know, you have to forgive. Yeah. 
I'm so angry at this person, you know, like, why is he like, gossiping about me? Why, why he, like, stabbed me from, uh, you know, at the back, you know, so, but he said, hey, no, can I, can I, can I? God says, you know, jangan ada kemarahan, you know, sampai matahari terbenam, yeah, because if you have anger towards your friends, it's like you are killing him in your heart. So, like, oh, okay, okay. So, we all need to be in prison, you know, prison of Christ, some of you say, like, Pastor, I'm single. But I like that guy, lah, Pastor. Although that guy is not a believer. Although that girl is not a believer. Can, 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 can I? Oh, cannot, 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 cannot. Because this is the principles the Word of God says, you know, don't be uh, you know, in relationship with someone who are not uh, equally yoked. <sighs> so when people ask you, why as Christians, uh, why you cannot do this or do that? Uh? Because I'm in prison. Christ is my prison. Whatever I leave, I mean, whatever I do, you know, whatever I think, you know, it's all confined, yeah? Now, some of us think like, oh, very restrictive, uh, Pastor. No, 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 no. So, this is something that uh, I know a lot of Christians being struggled with because we thought like, hey, in Jesus, can kita ada freedom, we have freedom. But now, now we've got this idea of prison, apa? being prison of Christ, like, hey, why? I want you to catch this. If we are not being prisoned, you know, being prisoned in Christ, we will be prisoned by our sin. We become slave to the devil. So you choose. Mau penjara dia Tuhan atau mau penjara dia Iblis? Choose. Are you guys following me? So why you do what you do as a Christian? Why do you come to church? Why do you serve? Yeah. Why you continue to serve? Why you continue to follow Jesus despite all the challenges and everything? You can just do it your way, but you know like, oh no, I can't, I can't, I can't. Because this is the word of God. I cannot do whatever I want to do. You know? As a prisoner, they have all the time that they need. You know? They, they, you know? So if you ask the prisoner about their future, like, future? I don't know. I, mean, I was in prison, you know. Don't talk to me like about plans. You know, next week we camping ka, or next month go to for holiday ka. No. Everything, my time, all depends on my master. So some of us been worried about our family, our career, our studies, our future. But hey, if you are in prison of Christ, you know, like nah, I'm not worried because Jesus Christ is my master. He will give me what I need according to his time. Amen? Amen? Turn to your neighbor say, like, you are the prisoner. You're the prisoner of Christ. Some of you still struggling with that. Okay, thank you. Can you just pray? Yeah. So do you see now, you know, why being prisoners of Christ is good for us? Yeah? Another good thing about... Uh, being prisoner of Christ, let me explain. We are no longer, like I mentioned just now, we are no longer slaves to sin or in, in bondage to sin. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says this. Oh, sorry. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So why we do good? Because we are prisoners of Christ. Amen? 
why we go to, to, to church on Sunday, why we serve on Sunday, or, you know, we serve God, because we are prisoners of Christ. The more we love the Lord, the more we will be in Him. We're going to walk in Him, going to speak in Him, and do everything in Him and for Him. Christ becomes our prison. I love this quote by uh, Martin Jones. He said this, We are never free. Everybody in the world is either the slave of sin and Satan or else the slave of Jesus Christ. You choose. So the first answer to the question, why we do what we do as believers is because we are prisoners of Christ. Now the second one. Because God's grace and mighty power are upon us. Ephesians chapter uh, 3, back to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2 says this. Assuming you have heard about the administration of God's grace that he gave me for you. And verse 7, I was made a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. Now, Paul understands that he can only fulfill his calling because of God's grace and his mighty power upon him. Yeah? Paul even see himself as the least deserving uh, of all God's people. Now, I want to bear in mind that Paul is not a fisherman like the other disciples of Jesus. He is an educated person, a reputable person among the Jews. You know, this is before his conversion, before he became a follower of Christ. Even after his conversion to Christianity, he can be, you know, said as one of the most influential apostles in the New Testament. He wrote most of the books in the New Testament. Yeah? Despite all those achievements, he acknowledged that, you know, he said that, you know, I'm able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's not depending on his own knowledge, his own, you know, background. No, he said, like, only through Christ. You know, he can brag about uh, whatever he has gone through, you know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, like, I'm like the madman. I am a better one with far more labors, many more imprisonments. So he's, like, compa- he, he, he's like flexing his, his, you know, all his struggles, you know, in... in, in, in uh, Sharing the gospel. He said, I've been in prison a few times. You, how many times? And he said that, far worse beatings, many times near death. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten, beaten by rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in, in the open sea on frequent journeys. I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. You see, between us and Paul, he has more reasons to be discouraged. Like, What's the point of being a Christian? You know, come on. He has more reasons to be discouraged. Is this God's plan for me? You remember last week, Pastor Dan preached about why do bad things happen to good people? So Paul can be like, I mean, like, God, I'm doing your work. Why am I got prison, la, shipwreck, la, bitten by snake? La? You see? He got a lot of reason to be discouraged. But he didn't. Why? Because he knew that God's grace is upon him. God's grace will sustain him. 
You know, you might be discouraged as students, as working adults, as parents. You know, you might be discouraged with you know you, your family, everything. But remember that God's grace is upon you. Some of you probably struggle to meet your daily needs. You are struggling mentally, and you ask God, "What will happen to you in the future?" Now you know. Remember, Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter six, verse eleven: "Give us this day our daily bread." This day, our daily bread. God will meet your needs today. His grace, grace is available for all of us today. Yeah. The future is in God's hands. Amen. Tomorrow morning may bring joy and even miracle. In Psalm chapter thirty, verse five. Yeah. For His mercies are new every morning, and nothing is impossible with God. God's grace and His mighty power is upon you. Amen. You know, I don't know about you, but I heard testimony from our church members. You know, some of their non-believer friends, even some Christians, their friends who are Christian, might be wondering why aren't they afraid of their future? You know, you're not worried, guy. You know, like you know. Boss, mau buang pekerja, you know, you're not worried, ka? Some of our members said, like, actually, pastor, I have peace, you know, like, huh? I said, like, really? Yeah, I mean, I know my, my colleague all got worried, you know, during the pandemic, some of them getting, getting uh, but, uh, laid off, and also, but I have peace. Like, what kind of peace? I don't know. I mean, like, for me, if I still remain in the company, puji Tuhan. If I being, apa, uh, retrenched, puji Tuhan. Like, Wow. Because he knows that God's grace is upon him, yeah. God's grace is sufficient for you, for His power is perfected in weakness. Amen. Hallelujah. So say to your friend next to you, say to them, "You are here today because of God's grace and His mighty power is upon you." Come on. I know it's quite long, but I'm saying, yeah, yeah, someone said, yeah, come on. Turn to your n- another neighbor, okay? Probably nobody has uh, spoken this to him, to her. Say that you are here today because of God's grace and His mighty power is upon you. Come on. Mm. All right? And then last but not least, you know, why we do what we do as believers? Because we are called to live out God's purpose. Kita dipanggil untuk melakukan, untuk menghidup, melakukan rencana Tuhan. You know, verse 8 and 11 says this, This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the, the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heaven. Oh, this is very really interesting. You know, penguasa-penguasa di udara in the uh, Indonesian or BM translation. What is that? Now, verse 11, this is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, Paul mentioned about God's purpose in his life. Number one, he's, he mentioned that his purpose is to proclaim to the Gentiles the endless treasures available to them in Christ. You know, we can read in uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and in in, in, so Ephesians chapter 2. Paul mentioned about the treasures. Secondly, Paul mentioned about God's purpose in his life. He said, his purpose is to make plain 
to everyone to explain to everyone the mystery of Christ, which I preached two weeks ago, you know, the mystery of Christ, yeah, regarding the uniting of uh, the Jews and also the Gentiles. That is his purpose. Yeah. Now, let me tell you, that is also our purpose in life, to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ wherever we go, whether through our words or our actions. That's our calling. All of us, wherever we go, you know, we proclaim the message of Jesus Christ through our words, our actions. Not only on Sunday, because on Sunday, I'm the one who's preaching, and you guys, all of you are sitting. So it's not only my job, but you guys too. As you leave this place later on, you have the responsibility that you have a calling to really bring the gospel to the people around you through your words and to your actions. Yeah, let me repeat myself. Just like Paul, the purpose of our life is to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ wherever we go, whether through our words or our actions. Yeah, and verse 10, verse 10 is interesting. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich uh, variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, do you guys notice this? God, God wants us, God wants to use us, his church, to display his wisdom to the rulers and authorities in heavenly place. God wants us, his church, us, his church, not only, oh, God wants Pastor Dan, Pastor Wagner, Pastor Lenny, all the pastors. No, 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 church. Who are these unseen rulers and authorities? Now, this is the question that we need to, you know, answer. Who are these unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly place? Now, we encountered these powers, these terms, in Ephesians chapter 1, where it says that God seated Christ at his right hand. You know, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, 21, said, He that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Chapter 2 referred, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, referred to Satan as the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Later, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul said this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Now, pretty interesting. Paul uses this kind of language to refer to what we might identify as angels and demons. Do they exist? Yeah. Angels and demons, they do exist. You know, but not the Hollywood version, lah. Huh? Not the Hollywood version, good-looking, you know, with the sayap besar, begitu, no, no. Yeah? But of course, yes, uh, there, are, there are some people who have a vision, like, oh, what the angels look like, everything. But angels and demons does exist. Now, this verse about this prepares us for Paul's further discussion in Ephesians. You know, we, we will go through it later on in our sermon series, you know, whereby in chapter 6, verse 10 to 20, Paul talks about how we are going to do battle with the powers of evil. Yeah? We have this spiritual battle. Yeah? Now, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 encourages us to see our life in the light of God's purpose. 
Paul wants us to see that, hey, your life huh, is not for you to live uh, for your own benefit, you know, for, only for yourself. You have to live God's purpose. You know, you have to fulfill God's calling in your life. Because, you know why? In verse 10, Paul said, because God is using his church to display, yeah, his wisdom, you know, to the power, you know, to the authorities, to rulers in heavenly realms. In other words, the angels and the demons are watching us, the church. They wanted to know how this body of Christ works. No, angels and demons, they are not created like how we are created. So can you imagine when God created Adam, all the angels like, hey, guys, guys, what is God doing? Well, I mean, like, you know, he created it differently. And then now, like, Adam, what? So they, they have this curiosity. You know, imagine this. All the heavens was like, whoa, what happened? Whoa, you know? Even Lucifer, the fallen angels, okay, was like, hey, who's this guy? Like, God, what you're trying to do? Why you didn't tell me about this guy, you know? They have this curiosity. So Paul said, what we do as a church matters because the angels and demons are watching us. Yeah, I don't know about you, but for me, like, wow, you know? Hmm, angels and demons, you know? You're going to learn something from the church of Christ. So today onwards, I want you to remind yourself one of the reasons why you go to church, why you do good to others, why you serve God, why you serve one another, not because you are a person with a religion called Christian. No, no, no. It's because, you know what? One of the reasons because the angels and demons are watching you. You want to gossip about people? Remember, the angels was like, oh, 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 oh okay. Aren't he, aren't he the one who attended church that, you know, last Sunday? You're like, you know, like, you know? But when you do good things, remember, like, oh, the angels are watching me. Like, wow, this is the body of Christ. This is how the body of Christ works. They took care of one another. Like, you know, the angels and demons are watching us. They want to know how Jesus is going to use his church to carry out his purpose in this world. Amazing, right? Tell your friends next to you, hey, the angels and demons are watching you. Yeah? 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 Hmm. Right? By now, verse 10 that we, uh, what was the verse 10 that we read just now? You know? Should open our eyes on the reason of the uh, existence of the church. Now imagine this, whenever we neglect the church, whenever we refuse to meet up as God's people, the demons and angels will be wondering, eh, hmm, why, why is he neglecting the church? Why is he avoiding the fellowship and everything? Why? The angels and demons like wondering, like, I thought they have been redeemed. I, I thought they, they are free people. Like, hmm, See? Okay, I mean, just imagine, like, it's not, in the, like, not written in the word exactly like that. I'm just like imagining, like, because the angels and demons are watching us. Yeah? Now, as I prepare my sermon this morning, I was reminded about, I'm going to close with this. I was reminded about this uh, gang called the Bali Nine. Have you heard about this news? 
and this was many years ago, Bali 9 case. And um, I don't know, some of you probably heard about this, but uh, it's quite, uh, yeah, important, especially in Indonesia at that time. The transitions between the former uh, president of Indonesia and the current president, with Jokowi, yeah. So, so I, I, I want to close with this, Bali 9. Who are, who are they? The Bali 9 were the nine, nine Australians convicted for attempting to smuggle 8.3 kilograms of heroin out of Indonesia in April 2005. So the price of that heroin was valued around 4 million Australian dollar. Like, that's a lot of money. So out of the nine prisoners, Andrew Chan and uh, Muran Sukumaran were sentenced to death and executed on the 29th of April, 2015. Yes, they were, they were executed. So they are in the prison because of the offense that they committed. You know, Andrew Chan was 22 years old when he got caught. Yeah, he was 22 years old. Yeah. Now, what happened during that 10 years of imprisonment is something that I want to share with all of us today. I want to talk about uh, Andrew Chan. The lady who involved in prison ministry at that time told the reporter, you know, this is uh, after the execution and everything, told the reporter that Andrew's conversion took place when he prayed in his isolation cell. You know, he prayed to God. He said, like, God, give me a sign. I, I, I. He never prayed to God. He never go to church and everything, but he said, like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know, but if you are there, give me a sign. You know what? His prayer was answered the, the next day, when his brother and a friend from Salvation Army visited him, they prayed together, and that's when Andrew gave his life to Jesus. Yep. He asked for a Bible, and from that day onwards, he begins to read the Bible. He begins to read the Bible and grow in his faith. He didn't stop there. He turned his life around while in prison. He be becoming a fluent in Bahasa Indonesia and become, uh, became a highly committed Christian. He even led the English language Christian service in prison because there are also other foreigners who are, you know, in the prison in, in Bali. So he also led the service. He became like a pastor. He, he did his pastoral work, you know. And while he's in prison, he became an ordained minister by an Australian Bible college. He did like, you know, uh, this uh, Bible course. So he became an ordained minister while he's in prison. Or talk about like life totally changed, 180 degrees, guys. Whew. You know. Now, what's interesting is, in 2011, uh, a guy by the name of Matthews, Matthews is his Christian name, okay, was imprisoned for robbery for the second time. Right? Uh, so Matthews is the Christian name, but I, 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 didn't, I will not mention the, the, his Indonesian name because uh, it's a bit sensitive because it's on YouTube, right? So he first spoke to Andrew Chan in prison in, in 2011, and he said that, you know, uh, and by the way, he's not a believer. Matthews is not a believer at that time. He's from that majority religion in Indonesia, you know. Lah. So he said, like, he keep on mocking Andrew for his faith and his, you know, religious belief. But he told the reporter, he said, like, what changed him, what changed this guy, you know, Matthews, is he personally witnessed Andrew's devotion to God. And then when he saw uh, Andrew start to baptizing people, start to lead prayer meeting, do Bible studies. Like, wow, this guy is for real, man. 
And then despite being ridiculed, you know, being mocked, Andrew continued to show his love for this guy, Matthews. That's the guy. Let me tell you, a few years ago, he came to our church. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of you probably remember him. Yeah. So last night, I remember him. You know, I said, prepare, because he's what prison, my prisoners of Christ, you know. So I remember him. I said, I still got his number because I'm, I'm hosting him many years ago when he came to our church. So I said, still Samaka. So, hey, bro, remember me? Like, yeah, Regina, I still have your number. So I said, bro, I'm going to preach about Andrew. Yes, yes, tell them. Actually, it's Andrew Aduan who brought him to Christ. I was like, oh, I got goosebumps when I text him. I said, all right, all right. So what happened? Because of the gospel that being shared by Andrew, Matthews, yeah, Matthew started to believe in Christianity and by God's grace, he was baptized by Andrew. So both of them started a Bible study group inside the prison and then he said that this Bible group is one of many programs that was pioneered by Andrew and also the, his Indian friend, Sukumaran. And the purpose is to rehabilitate hundreds of prisoners. Now, Matthew, the Indonesian guy, left prison in 2013 and now started to preach at churches in Indonesia and occasionally certain countries, including ours. He had a special mission because of his background. You, you, you understand what I mean, right? What kind of ministry he's doing. You know? Amazing, right? Like, really, think, think about it. Amazing, we can see how God showed his grace and his mighty hand in the life of these people while they are in prison. We think that, you know, being in prison, you can't do things. La. Of course, like Andrew, Sukumaran, and the other uh, members of the Bali Nine, yes, they committed a crime. Yes, they're being punished, right? But for Andrew, say, like, that's, that's not the end of my, the, 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 the line. I committed my life to Jesus. He knew that he will be sentenced, uh, he will uh, not be pardoned by the president. Despite all that, he finished his assignments for his Bible school. <laughs> so his lecturer said, like, do you need time, you know, to extend the you know, submission date? He said, no, 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 let me do this, finish it. In fact, a few days before his death sentence, he married to his wife, an Indonesian uh, missionary uh, by the name of Fabi. Now, actually, you can watch uh, their testament, their story in YouTube. It's being documented. But I'm going to end this story by reading part of Andrew's uh, recorded testimony. Okay, this is testimony that he shared to a reporter. He said this, Just be- before my court date, I remember reading Mark chapter 11, 23, and 24, where it says that if you have enough faith, you can say to this mountain, be removed, and God will do it. So I said, God, if you are real, and if this is true, I want you to free me. This is what Andrew prayed. Free me. And if you do, I will serve you every day for the rest of my life. I went to my court hearing and they convicted me and gave me death penalty. When I got back to my cell, I said, God, I ask you to set me free, not kill me. God spoke to me and said, Andrew, I have set you free from the inside out. I have given you life. From that moment on, I haven't stopped worshiping him. I had never sung before, never led worship until Jesus set me free. Wow. You can w- watch the, uh, the wake service online. Yeah, they, they did it in uh, 
one of the church in Australia. Amazing, the testimony. He even wrote his own eulogy, <laughs> eulogy and then asked his close friends to read, read it. So when I revisit the testimony of Andrew Chan uh, and, and Matthew, or Matthews, I did some reflection. Both Andrew and Matthew understand why they do what they do as ministers of God. They know. Matthew, you know, he knows that his ministry is a high-risk ministry. He can be, like, killed because of what he's uh, doing. So I'm asking myself this question, and I want you, all of you, to ask the same question to yourself. Do we really know why we do what we do as believers? Do we really know? Do we really know why God put us on this earth? Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ask this question. Do I know why I do what I do as believers? Or am I just going through the motion of being a Christian, you know? You know, when Christ is enough for you, He becomes the only reason for you to live. Just like Andrew. He prayed, he repented. His condition didn't change. He's still in prison. He's still sentenced to death. But he said like, Christ is enough. Even if I died today, I know my spirit is with Jesus. So church, is Christ is enough for you? Or are we seeking other things to complement God's perfect plan for us? Thank you for tuning in to live podcast we hope that you will be challenged by this message and you will share it with your friends family member and co-worker we hope you have a great day god bless you